Welcome to Private Club Radio, your weekly source for industry education, news and discussion. Broadcasting from Tampa, Florida, ladies and gentlemen, here is your host, Gabriel Aloisi. Hey, hey, first podcast of 2020. How about that? We've got a fine guest coming on, Mr. Leighton Walker, a friend of mine, club manager over in the United Kingdom. He's going to talk to us about a new club that he's just recently taken over. And he's also going to talk to us about his podcast, Golf Club Talk UK, some of the wonderful guests they've had on. He's recapping his first year and a half or so's worth of episodes and talk to us about some trends that are happening in Europe that you might want to watch out for here back in the United States. Some really good ideas. So here, without further ado, is my interview with Leighton Walker. Enjoy. Well, my pleasure to welcome our first guest of 2020, Mr. Leighton Walker of the Golf Club Talk UK podcast and also brand new general manager at Sirencester Golf Club. Leighton, how are you? I'm great. Thanks, Gabe. Great. And uh, very privileged to be number one guest for 2020. Thank you very much. Yes. Yes. Well, hey, you answered the call. So today as we're recording this, it's January 2nd and just got back into the office and uh, yeah, you were available. So I'm glad to, glad to have you on the show, man. Pleasure. <laughs> so you're over there in the UK. You're our, our private club radio UK correspondent, as it were. And uh, I'd love for you just to, just to catch us up on maybe some trends that are happening in the UK. Has anything caught your eye in the club business lately over there? Yeah, yeah, I think there's there's a lot of a lot of things happening. I think um, I think one thing certainly is clubs are, are moving to a more relaxed style of doing things. I think that's been a trend for for a little while, but I think as as time goes on and and um, people demand it more and more, and we've got a different generation moving into the game. I I, I think that's um, certainly something that's happening. Whether that's dress codes or the types of social events that that clubs are putting on or the the way that they sort of structure their, their clubhouse to suit that demographic a little bit more is, is, is certainly changing. And, and I think that's partly come about um, because we've, in, in this country, there's certainly been a movement towards um, reducing subscriptions a lot of times for that, that age category from, let's say, 20 to 35, or in some, some instances, even 40. And a lot of clubs mm-hmm. have seen some real growth in that area, you know, with, with numbers moving from you know, say a dozen members in, in that area to something like 70 or 80. And I've seen that happen at some of the clubs yeah. uh, I've worked closely with. So um, I think what's happening as, as a reflection of that is, is clubs are having to adapt a little bit more to that, to that market, if you like. Um, I think another one, Gabe, that I've, I've seen a bit of a movement on is, is ecology around golf courses and, and sustainability and, and ecology, you know, you know, two big buzzwords and what do they mean? But uh, I think sometimes it's, clubs looking to do things more ecologically responsibly it's it's the way they are growing up you know, long grass areas and, and wildflowers and trying to attract more birds and insects and and the way they're moving to you know non uh, single-use plastics trying to get rid of that and uh, yep. a lot of things around that that sort of area which i i think is great and it, and it needs to needs to continue i think for a long time golf clubs were pretty irresponsible whether it was water <laughs> use or chemical use or you know chopping trees down or mowing every part of the golf course to the nth degree and and it, it, it's probably just not the way well it's it's clearly yeah. not the way forward and i think we're trying to start a bit of a reversal of that now so 
I think that's certainly been a movement and as has maybe people looking at their golf courses and in terms of the way they play as well I think certainly now there there seems to be um, a little bit more proactivity to a more harder running game and and I think more clubs are are looking at that reverting Mm. courses back to a style that they originally were were designed Um, you know that's some of your your Colt courses you know I'm I'm managing a James Braid course now he um, designed many golf courses in this country and I, I think there's certainly a bit more of a architectural movement away from everything being green and stripey to, to perhaps a bit more about how the ball reacts on the ground and, and that type of thing. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I love, I certainly love the, the conservation efforts and I've seen a lot of that just on social media, people posting about that. I've seen like bamboo teas. I've seen a lot of those, like you mentioned, single use contain, um, getting away from the single use containers, but going to like a multi, you know, to like a, you know, giving people a metal water bottle or something yeah. like that on the course. Mm. But you yeah. know, one of the really positive things I've seen come out of that is, is what it does for, for green stuff. And, and, you know, quite often it might be one or two guys within the team that uh, sort of latch onto this and it really probably gives them something that sparks their interest a little bit. You know, they, they go about um, starting some of these initiatives that, that really, are quite rewarding and, and they see the, the benefits of and and um you know we've got some, uh, some really good consultants over here in this country who are, who are trying to help clubs in in that area and, and i think the more we see it i think the more it just gives that little bit of satisfaction to to greenkeepers around the country and around the world because you know at the end of the day no one just wants to be cutting grass and raking bunkers all day you want other elements to the to the job that are going to give that that bit of satisfaction so yeah very positive for me that you know that firsthand because your wife is in the is in the is in the business, right? Tell us about what she does. Yeah, that's right. So she works for the uh, Greenkeepers Association. It's called Bigger over here, um, and uh, similar to the GCSAA over there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so she's one of the regional managers who uh, manages the Southwestern and South Wales, and uh, yeah, she gets a real insight into into the greenkeeping world, and and yeah. I was talking to these guys and girls every day, and and as a result of that, I get, I get a real insight as well. And, and, uh, you know, I, I personally find it quite, quite fascinating, but the more you sort of get to know some of the science and technology and, and effort that goes into maintaining our courses, but then also taking that down an ecological route or something is, is yeah, very interesting. That's cool. Well, you've just, uh, come upon a new challenge, right? You've taken on a new course, Siren Sester. So we'd love to you, for you to just tell us a little bit about that club and, and what makes it unique, uh, Leighton. Yeah. So as I mentioned, it's a, it's a James Braid golf course. Um, I live in the Cotswolds in England, which is a, a region, let's say 90, hundred miles from, from London. It's a, it's a range of hills, if you like, and a beautiful part of the country. Um, some amazing little uh, stone villages that you, you've witnessed some of them now, Gabe. Um, yeah, just beautiful, fantastic there. part of very quintessentially English part of the part of the world. But our, our course is set up on a little bit of high ground, so it's it's quite exposed um, and and a fairly typical course for this part of the world. You know, some nice fescue grasses, and again, a little bit more of a firm running type of game, a little bit more exposed in, in places. Um, it's a fairly typical golf club over here. We've got around about 650 members, uh, financially pretty stable. Uh, got some really nice facilities. They've worked on practice facilities a lot in, in the last few years. 
cool. But that's but one thing that a lot of clubs there don't have, right? You sometimes have clubs without even a driving range there. Yeah, that's right. And and I think clubs are putting starting to put a bit more attention into that. And and you know we're lucky we've got a really good uh, sort of short game chipping area, uh, driving range with covered bays and turf area and putting green, etc. So, uh, but yeah, it is it is something that sometimes are lacking at, at, at clubs over here. Um, but yeah, just a really friendly golf club as well. Um, you know, nice culture about it. Uh, and that's one of the things that's really sort of impressed me that the teams sort of really enjoy their roles at the club as well. And, uh, and that's been great to get to know them. And, and it's always a, a pretty full on first few months when you, when you started a club, there's a, a lot to wrap your head around. And, uh, I guess sometimes it comes down to prioritizing some of that into what you think is the right sort of order. Yeah. How do you go about doing that, Leighton? So, you know, you walk into a new club and certainly there's going to be good things and there's going to be some challenges that um, you're going to be facing. How do you decide what you're going to start with? You know, what are you going to tackle that first 90 days? How do you go about doing it? Yeah, I I guess in some ways you you start to apply a little bit of theory to it or a bit of a system. Um, but I guess it's going to be a little bit unique to every golf club you, you go into. So for instance, at, at this club, Sirencester, nothing necessarily is broken. You don't look at anything and say that that's in desperate need of attention or repair or whatever it may be. It, it, everything generally is, is in pretty good shape. So the way I've looked at it is things probably just need that 10 to 20% improvement across the board. So if we can do that through, you know, service or facilities or the golf course or level of food and drink that we're putting out, then I feel, you know, give it a year or two and we could be in a really, really good position. So with that in mind and nothing seriously broken, it's been very much about trying to work with, with people um, and really build that team sort of environment, if you like, but then also a lot of work around processes and, and getting everything in place so that as we move forward over the next six months, we can really launch things, if you like. So you know, a lot of work on, on some of our marketing material in terms of getting our sales processes in place and, and, and the right people in the right places and good structure. Um, so that, that's been a heavy focus for uh, probably the last two months that I've been there. Um, quite fortunate that I've got an, an assistant manager uh, starting. Uh, or in fact, his first day it was yesterday. Nice. Um, so we're hoping to, to really move things forward in terms of that member experience and, and him in terms of the marketing side of things and getting that message out there about the club. I think you said the magic word there, which was processes. And I think there's in the UK, especially, right. That's, you often don't find that at clubs because generally there's a committee or maybe a member, you know, that, that changes from, from day to day, who's, who's doing tours or who's working with developing those members. So why is process so important to you and why, why should other clubs be doing that? I feel like it builds the platform, Gabe. So, you know, without that solid platform there and that's, again, that's probably that system that I've been applying when I've moved into to different clubs is you've really got to build that platform so that you can launch from that. I think if you go in and, and your first thoughts are around how are we going to market this or how are we going to sell that or let's go and spend money on that or, or capital investment this or that, you know, I think if you get too far ahead of the game on that and you haven't got that platform built, um, the deck of cards can come crashing down a little bit. So, that's kind of my thinking there is that if we build that platform, get the right people and processes in place, then it gives you um, that ability to really be able to get stuck into things. 
Yeah. And consistency is just so important, right? Um, you know, so that when the next, when it transfers to the next person, there's already a plan in place for them. They don't have to reinvent the wheel. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then it's not about individuals, is it? If you've got processes and structure in place, then in theory, anyone can come into a role and pick that up, I, I guess. So yeah, um, like yeah plug and play. Yep, absolutely. Very cool. Well, uh, you've got this podcast that you're about to hit, what, episode 17 or so? Yep, is 17. That, is that where you're at? Cool. That's exciting. So how's that, how's that going? And, and what are some of the, what are some of the reasons you like doing golf club talk UK? I think it's, there's a few reasons really Gabe. I think a bit like you, we've just got a vested interest in, in trying to uh, give back to the industry and, and in our own little way, sort of grow the game. If we can be getting the right information out to people running and governing clubs out there that surely that's got to have some, some positive benefits. Um, I've got to be honest, I enjoy sitting behind a microphone and listening to experts speak about things. Um, you know, it's one of the joys of doing this is that I get a, a personal insight into all this information that quite often, you know, I've walked away from an interview and I've got a few notes sitting on the side that I go and then apply back at my club. So, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a learning thing for me as well. You know, I'm still in the, in the game, if you like. And, uh, you know, I can certainly pick up a, a lot from it. But yeah, really, it's just about trying to give a little bit back. I, I think I got involved with the CMAE here a few years ago and that sort of drove me on to thinking about how we can educate people out there a little bit better and as you know podcasts are a really good way of of doing that you know I don't think people can always get to seminars for CMAA or CMAE and um, you know sometimes that's difficult to get out of the office for a whole day but if if you can listen to information and, and absorb your information on your way to work or at the gym or on the train or whatever it may be i, I think that's um a, a fantastic use of time and a great way to, to get that information and an education really so yeah quite quite a few reasons for for doing the show but we we love it myself and eddie really enjoy it you know we we're only doing it monthly over here as you know but um that soon rolls around each month and, and you're back on it again and, and we love catching up for a chat at the start of the show and just um sort of leading in, into the show. But uh, you know, we, there's some thoughts about maybe moving to, to fortnightly, but we're just going to see how we, how we go with that. We're both pretty busy still, so we don't want to overcommit ourselves at this stage, but uh, we'll, we'll wait and see <laughs> on that one. I love that word fortnightly. We, that's a word we never use in the United States. Well, well we'd say bi-weekly, but I like fortnightly. That's what's <laughs> yeah. better. There you go. <laughs> a bit of UK that's flavor awesome. from an Aussie. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. What was your favorite episode or interview or, or give me a couple of your top ones if you can't pick one. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, I had a couple Gabe. I think um, one of them was uh, a guy called John Glendening, who's the CEO at a club called the Wisley um, just outside of London in, in Surrey. Um, now this is one of the most high end clubs in, in the country and is, is on a, a different level in, in some respects and, and probably akin to, to some of the, um, top country clubs that you have in the States there, but just listening to John talk about some of the simple things that they do there. And, and, you know, we were talking about the ecology earlier and, and like us up at Siren sister, they make their own honey at, 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 um, cool. at the Wisley and, and just lots of different initiatives that they were doing, but also some of the way, some of the things he talked about with his, with his staff in terms of how he works with his staff and gets the best out of them. And, and uh, he told a story about how he employed a, uh, 
someone from overseas and he barely spoke any English when he started. And, and it got to the point where some of the members were actually sort of helping him to, to learn English. And, he, and he's turned out to be one of their, their best employees. They're just really, wow. really interesting stuff. And then uh, and another one I really enjoyed, uh, and I, I actually went and did this one on site. And it was a, it was a contact through, through my wife. Uh, he's, a, he's a greenkeeper, but also a, a course owner at a, at a club down in Devon. And uh, this place really started from, from nothing. So this, this was built from the ground up. It started with a 12-bay driving range and has now culminated in an 18-hole golf course and a nine-hole par three course, a 25-bay driving range. He's, he's talking about putting on-site cabins uh, on the property and, and all sorts. And, and just literally started in the early 90s um, from what used to be an old dairy farm to, to now what is a, a really fantastic facility down, down in that part of Devon. So, uh, yeah, that, that was particularly interesting just to hear um, – from someone who who's built built a golf club, not just in there running it or managing it. He, he he's actually built the thing. What's the name of that one? Is that Nick Solsky? Is that who that uh, was? No, Portmore Golf Park down in in Port Devon. Portmore. Yeah, oh, I got to pick that one out. Yeah, yeah. Nick's a great story as well. Nick Solsky. Oh, yeah. He uh, <laughs> has a, a driving range facility, so it's not a club as such, but a driving range facility up in Chester, up near Manchester, and uh, it, it's really interesting. I'll, I'll maybe give you a, a reference to it later but it's called boomers and swingers up in uh in <laughs> he calls it a ball whacking field as well that's so it in the all kind of double entendres yeah. going <laughs> and i don't know whether you saw it on uh social media but a little while ago he he got some tanks uh so he's got I a couple of tanks sitting out on on his on his driving range it's uh it's certainly very very different yeah I think a private club around here should do something like that. Like, why not put a tank or something interesting on the driving range? Like, make it fun. Make it, yeah. a, make it, make it something to shoot for. It's such a talking point as well. I, I think it started with washing machines. I, I have a feeling, but uh, right. pretty, okay. progressed pretty quickly to uh, old army tanks. It's, it's yeah, cool. I think that was. I think he was my favorite one at least, uh, just because it just he thinks outside the box. And I think you got to do that in, in the in the club industry, especially like. You know, so so often clubs just follow the trend that every other club has just done, mm-hmm. and there's very few people who are actually out there innovating. Yeah. Um, but I think you know to to that's so. I just think that that's really important. If you're going to stand out from the from the crowd nowadays, you got to be doing something really outside the box. Yeah, and it's, I think it's quite often out of fear, isn't it, Gabe? I, th- I think there's a. Uh, uh, a fear that you can't sort of leave certain parameters when you're, yeah. when you're running a golf club. And, and yep. um, I don't see why I think you've still got to be relevant to your audience and um, you've still got to make the right decisions. But sometimes just by trying things, uh, mm-hmm. that's when you find something works and, and you run with it yeah. to not try anything is probably worse. I think you think you're right. I mean, if you think about the success stories like that you've heard uh, or that I've people I've, I've featured on this show, they've all done, they've all taken the chance or the risk. The people who played it safe are not the ones we're talking about. Right. And I can't think of any interview that I've ever given or, or any story that I've ever come across where someone tried something audacious and Mm. fell flat on their face and and failed. Like you don't hear about that. You know, Um, I don't, I don't think it happens. If you take the risk, you're often rewarded. Yeah, it is. I think different is good. You know, a little example at our, at our club, we've, um, our fourth and 18th fairways, uh, it's actually a shared fairway. So you, you, you play the fourth in one direction, the 18th comes back the other way oh, cool. in the same direction. And yeah. it's not everyone's cup of tea because sometimes you can lose a few minutes because you've got to give way to the, the group coming the other way. But yeah. these, 
both of the holes are fantastic golf holes, really strong par fours, both of them. And um, the club, for various reasons, moved it back to that situation a couple of years ago. The 18th used to be a par three, but they reverted back to the, the old par four. They actually used the existing tees that were built 110 years ago. And uh, I sort of come into the club and I've heard a lot of people you know, bemoaning the fact that we've got this shared fairway. And a couple of times I've said to people, well, but you've got two fantastic holes. Surely just for a little bit of inconvenience and having the uniqueness of that, isn't that a, isn't that a good thing? And, uh, you know, look, I'm, I'm sure not everyone's going to love it, but to me, I think it's fantastic. It's different. It's a talking point. Um, it's unique. It is. Yeah. I think you've got to have something like that. I think you could do something really fun with that. Like, uh, you know, what, um, you know what if you if you had a bogey you know going out maybe you have a have, have a birdie coming back you know how did you play that hole <laughs> yeah you can <laughs> run a scorecard on those two holes yeah, exactly <laughs> there's um what is it the loop i think there's a there was a that was something that opened up a couple of years ago up here in in, in the north part of the u.s but um i think you you play and going one way you go out, golf course, yeah, yeah and then you come back yeah i think mm. that kind of stuff it's like that's something you want to talk about like we're Clearly, we're talking about that <laughs> right now, but no yeah. one talks about um, just the normal, uh, the normal eighteen at, y- at your club. You know, you got to do something different. Yeah, yeah, well, that's cool. So, what's what's in store for uh, for you, either personally or professionally, in in twenty twenty? What are some of your big goals here coming into the new year? Um, well, I guess in, in in terms of the podcast, we're we're looking to just build on, on what's happened so far, really. Our, our numbers are growing each month um, in terms of the, the downloads. So that's a good thing. We just want to keep getting the word out there and, and grow the listenership. And uh, maybe this year we might start to get out in the field a little bit more, which um, might mean that I'll have to go and play some golf courses across oh, the country. That's a shame. That's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, w- one place I would love to go and visit is a place called Royal, Royal Norwich in, um, in Norfolk, which is just sort of east of, of London. Um, just, I, I think Eddie's talked about it on the show before, but, uh, yeah. this is a club that effectively sold off its piece of land in, in Norwich and, and went and purchased another golf course 10 mile up the road, I think, and, uh, have built a, a fantastic facility there. They, you know, amazing golf course that opened up in September, just, just this year or just last year now. Um, and you know, great club clubhouse. It's got a really good feel about it, getting rave, rave reviews and, um, I'd love to go and just explore that one, just to see a, a great course and, and clubhouse facility, but also just the story behind it. And and this might be a little bit of a model for, for some clubs over here going forward that you've got some clubs that occupy some uh, pretty prime real estate in, in some of the cities over here. And uh, I think they're going to start to look at possible options of saying, well, can we, can we do something with this asset? Can we look at perhaps relocating somewhere and building a super club that's going to see us into the next 50, 100 years? I think we'll see a bit more of that. So just they're a really good good model of that. So maybe just get out and look at some stories like that would be would be really interesting. Um, personally, I guess, um, just want to really get stuck into making a success of things at Sirencester. Um, it's, it's a little bit of a an odd one in that uh, in February, I'll be going back to three days a week. And this is probably fairly untried over here and and i imagine it might be a fairly foreign thing in the states as well but in a part-time sort of role um where i guess it'll be playing a a bit more of a strategic role a bit more of a higher level role and and but putting the necessary people in place that 
can ensure that everything's ticking along nicely below that. So you're just a manager, your heads of heads of departments. So as I mentioned before, Gabe, we've got a lot of clubs that sit in that sort of middle ground in the country, not not flushed with money, but not doing too badly either. But maybe yeah. there's not that need for them to have a full five day a week general, general manager. So yeah. we're just sort of exploring this model. I, I think it's going to be really successful because of the people we've, we've got in place. I think that's going to allow it to to happen. But uh, yeah, it'll just be really interesting to see how that goes. And it, it might be something that you see a little bit more of in, in the future, really. I think you're blazing a new trail here. So you're going to be a three-day manager. So you'll come in, will you do it um, uh, like a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or will you go like a Monday, Wednesday, Saturday? How would you, how would you actually plan yeah, that out? Might, might be a little combination to say Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Monday, Wednesday, Saturday. Um, the assistant manager will generally work on, on the off days, but we'll cross over one day a week so that we still have that that little bit of contact. And uh you know, it might be a case that I then, outside of that, look for some other work at another golf club in in a project management type capacity, or, or oh, wow. again yeah. on a on a sort of a semi management type role. And mm-hmm. uh, it it's sort of happened a little bit in the greenkeeping world over here. We've got a couple of guys that um, go in and sort of manage uh, several clubs in in some sort of capacity. They might sort of play the course manager role or superintendent role, but they've got a team below them that tend to look after the day-to-day side of things. So I'm probably stopping short of calling it consultancy because it's not quite that. It's, it's just yeah. a bit of management on a more modified level, but perhaps that more strategic thing and not getting so caught up in some of the day-to-day minutiae that you, you can pretty easily get at, at, at golf clubs. So yeah, it'll be interesting right. to see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to see. I'd love to 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 have you back here in a year and and see what what that transition was like because I think that is definitely something unique and something that other people might want to. Like I said, you might be starting to trend here, Leighton. <laughs> well, yeah, possibly. And and look, of course, it's not going to be for every every club. And even if there's ten to twenty percent of clubs out there that it might be suitable for, it's it's um, maybe an angle that that they can explore. And and sometimes what we've seen is is clubs actually lose a manager and, and, and they not replace them. So they, they try and run them by a committee or they'll, they'll um, maybe try and do it through their pro or their course manager or whatever it may be. And it, and it tends not to work very well. And I don't think it's overly sustainable. So I think um, this is maybe a little halfway house to saying, well, we're not going to have a full five day a week manager, but we are still going to have some management presence that can drive the strategy and, and ensure that the right people and processes are in place. That's awesome. Leighton, I'm really excited for, for everything you've got going on. I think this is going to be uh, a big year for Mr. Leighton Walker. So I'm excited to see what, what comes of it, man. Thanks so much for coming on, being the first guest of the decade. That's pretty, uh, pretty cool. I appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks a lot, Gabe. And uh, again, thanks for all, all your help. You know, you've been a, a good mentor over the last couple of years and then we've developed a good, good friendship and I'm sure we're going to catch up again throughout 2020. I know we are. So uh, I play some golf in July for sure. Yeah, we are. We are. (laughs) All right, my man, have a good rest of the day. Good. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Good. I always think getting another perspective, especially something outside of our norm is a way to get the ideas flowing. So hopefully Leighton did that for you today. I'll catch you back here next week on Private Club Radio. And until then, here's to your membership success. Private Club Radio is brought to you by Concert Golf Partners, helping to preserve and enhance private golf and country clubs. Visit ConcertGolfPartners.com to learn more about the recapitalization process.